welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Can we thank our worship team? These guys are awesome. I say this every week. They get here early. They're amazing. Uh, such a big part of what we're doing. And our, our little old church is such great worship. It's just amazing. Each week I'm so humbled and honored about uh, what the worship team is doing. So we're excited about that. Hey, I have not said a single thing all year about LSU football. Because uh, remember what I said last week. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. We won yesterday. We upset Florida in the swamp. Absolutely amazing. 57-yard field goal due to a penalty because a guy threw a shoe. I have to say this. Yeah, Austin Powers, I'm not, as your pastor, I'm not saying go watch that movie. But there is a moment where he says, who throws the shoe? And I just couldn't, all night I'm just like, who throws the shoe? You just threw your national championship hopes down the drain. Didn't really help us any, but we ruined Florida's season. And not in the kingdom, but in college football, that's a good thing. You want to ruin everybody else's season, and you don't want to celebrate what they're doing. Uh, hey, yeah, <coughs> if you're joining us online, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, randomly, there's a guy I work with uh, from Costa Rica at a construction company I work with. And um, I saw him a couple weeks ago. Stacy and I actually ran into him randomly in New Orleans, but he works here in Baton Rouge. And his mother was with him from Puerto Rico. And she starts pointing, and we realize who we are, and he translates. She speaks kind of broken English. And he's like, she watches you every Sunday. I'm like, what? I'm like, we can't even get 100 people in this room. What? Puerto Rico. So we have a little Puerto Rico branch (laughs) going really strong. Thank you, ma'am. No, we do have people who who are choosing to quarantine and and watch it online. So thank you, guys. Glad you're here, and we miss you. Uh, Yeah, so those of you in the room, thanks for being here at Cedar House. Really appreciate it. You could be anywhere on Sunday, and you chose to be here. So thank you so much for doing that. One more little plug. Hey, our coffee shop, if you're wondering, it is open all the time, 7 to 4, Monday through Saturday. And I say that to say, share it with your friends. We have the best coffee in the world. I love our coffee. We've got really good coffee. Meet new people. Connect with someone at church. Get coffee with them here. It's awesome. The church owns that. All the funds go to the church. Just continue to spread the word around town that we do have a coffee shop. I just sometimes will just kind of walk in there and look and kind of see different people. And it's just a, it's a really cool avenue. It's doing what we wanted it to do and just creating connection with other people and other ministry leaders and so on and so forth. Amen? Cool. Well, I do have a message on my heart, and we're going to have the worship team come back up. Um, I'm going to talk to you today about embracing the mystery of God. Embracing the mystery of God. We're going to talk about the mystery of God and how do we utilize that and what is it for. So my goal today, what would be a success is this, is that we understand that what we don't know about God should drive us into intimacy with God. So we take what we don't understand, and it either drives us away from him, or it can drive us to him. 
So what we don't understand, the mystery, the things of life we don't understand, the scripture we don't understand, the life circumstances that we don't understand, we can choose to be offended, stay away from God, don't go to him with that, and it drives us from him. Or what we're going to talk about today is that the mystery of God is actually to drive us to him and be more intimate with him. Amen? So if you leave today and you're embracing the mystery of God and it driving you to him, that is a success. So I do not know one healing revivalist ever. I've done a lot of study in my day of past revivals. I don't know one healing revivalist ever. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I don't know of one. Nor do I know of a power, a move of God happening on earth today that is functioning in the power of God that does not embrace the mystery of God. There is no way that I could have been a spirit-led Christian the past 20 years without understanding what I'm going to talk about today. And it's so simple, but it gets so clogged and cloudy in our minds that it's just really, really, really key and important to having a successful, supernatural-led lifestyle. Amen? Cool. So bad theology is formed when we try to explain everything. Bad doctrine, bad theology, bad revelation comes when we start trying to explain everything. See, if I can explain everything in God, then I minimize him down to look like us. So what we do specifically as Christian leaders, people in my position, is because out of fear, I want to maintain control. So I'll explain things that God's not explaining, or I'll try to create theology around something that God isn't explaining. But what happens when I do that is I eventually lower the bar of what Scripture is teaching so it can fit my human conscience. So this is how religion starts. I'll keep explaining and explaining and explaining and explaining and explaining, and it minimizes God down to something that we can understand. And it was never meant for that. How many of you have experienced what I'm talking about? If you keep explaining it away, it goes away. (laughs) You can explain God away, or we can embrace the mystery of God. See, the further you go in God, the less you'll understand. How many of you have heard scientists say, yeah, I've been studying astrology for 20 years, and we realize we don't understand anything. And it just opens up new layers and new layers and new layers. The further you in God, you will have more certainty and you'll have more truth, which we're going to talk about in a second. But you will unpack layers of what I don't understand. You keep going in God, and what happens is you keep running into walls of what you don't understand. This is a good thing. Our dad has done this on purpose. So as, as believers, because we're scared to not be able to explain something, or because we're scared that we can't control every situation, we start creating theology that God's not explaining or creating something of a move of God that God is not explaining and he's not asking us to explain it. But if we're not careful, we can completely minimize it down to something we can understand. Think about the arrogance to think we could explain God. But we're the crazy people. Let me explain it. We believe we're all gathered around a triune being that no one's ever seen that birthed a child through a 12 or 14 year old girl that man lived a sinless life died (coughs) for our sin death hell resurrection and is now in a seated back in 
heaven with the Father. That's crazy. We are the crazy ones. We are the ones with invisible friends. Like, he made the stars. We're not going to be able to explain everything. And the arrogance to think that I could explain God so thoroughly to someone and wipe away all the mystery is how it minimizes God down into something we can understand. And it's just not a great thing. See, Christian leaders specifically is we put our confidence in people because they know a lot. This is what I'd like to challenge you with as bringing service to me. Your confidence in me as your pastor shouldn't be in what I know. It's in how I carry myself in what I don't know. It shouldn't be, man, he's got 12 degrees. That's needed. Should always keep studying scripture. But it's, man, we function really well in what we don't understand, and we're trying the best we can. And we're pursuing our God together. Amen? All right. I'm going to uh, share some scripture with you. Um, John 6. All right, so let me get some context to you here. So Peter is the lead apostle. And there's multiple times in the life of Peter where he really botched it. He didn't do the best job. We wouldn't have done any better. We're not, I'm not talking bad about Peter. I'm just saying he took the brunt of a lot of get acclimating God into Christianity. But there's this one moment here where he absolutely nails it where he embraces the mystery of God and understood truth of what Jesus is saying. So the context here is Jesus just fed the 5,000. So here we go. It's about 10 scriptures. So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Okay, let me let's note here. They've never heard this message. All right? Today we call it communion. They would call this cannibalism. They don't know what he's saying. Are you with me? This is the first time they've heard this message. So he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Go to the next one, Jonathan. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Okay, it gets interesting. It says, this bread came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. Okay, on hearing it, many disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware of this, his disciples grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life, but flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning of which one did not believe and who would betray him. So he went on to say, seeker center to Jesus, people start leaving, he just ramps it up. He went on to say, so this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Okay, you're getting what's happening here. They're leaving. They're leaving. They're leaving. Jesus turns to Peter, and he says this, do you want to leave? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Okay, so first off, just I want you to understand the power of choice and freedom and free will that we talk about here. 
Jesus, God turned to Peter and basically said, do you want to leave? Yeah, you don't have to be here. You don't have to be a Christian. No one's forcing you to be a Christian. But Jesus, the amount of freedom in this question, Peter, would you like to leave? Now that is like the freedom of Peter's probably thinking, you're just going to let me walk away. I love you so much. I'm going to just let you walk away. The empowerment in this moment for Peter to accept this and go, i got to make a choice here. Are you with me? This is a stunning moment. So Peter, he says this. This is landing place. You're frightening me. You're talking about cannibalism. This is a bad mission plan because no one's staying. This is making no sense. But what I do know is that you're the son of God. Okay. What Peter's saying here is, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I know that this one thing is true, and I will embrace what I don't understand because of what I do understand. He just grand slam for you and I. So what Peter's modeling here is, I don't understand anything and I'm confused, but I'll give you my yes in the midst of what I don't understand. Can we be Peter's? I don't understand. I don't understand why the situation happened in my life, my marriage, my finances, whatever it may be. I don't understand it. But what I do know is that God is good, and he's the son of God, and I'm going to follow him. I love that so much. Thank you, Peter. All right. I'm going to tell you a true story. This is potentially the most embarrassing story of my life. And I've had some pretty embarrassing moments in my life. You guys ready for this? Did I build that up enough? All right. I work part-time with a civil construction company called Brown Industrial Construction. We call it Brown. So one of the things I do in this organization, I, I do a lot of HR and people stuff, and I, I meet with people. Uh, when they first come into the company, I kind of orientate them into the culture. And after maybe three months, six months, nine months, depending on the position, I'll just meet with them, and we call it a culture pulse. So it's just I'm not giving them feedback. I'm not their direct boss or anything like that. I'm just engaging with them to find out, are you happy? Is everything in alignment? What can the company do to set you up well? It could be down from my truck allowance is off to my cell phone thing doesn't work or this is the greatest place I've ever been. And I just take the information and feed it back to the necessary parties. It's a really cool thing that the company does. I've been doing it for a long time. All right. So uh, our safety, our VP of safety, this guy's name is Wayne, and Wayne works at Brown. You guys with me so far? All right. So I text Wayne, hey, man, haven't got a culture pulse in a bit. This is on a Monday. Hey, how about next Thursday, uh, 12 o'clock, Portobello's on Jones Creek. We grab a culture pulse. He texts back, sounds awesome. Secured. Just talk to Wayne. So after I do that, I go into Microsoft Outlook, and I send him an invite saying, Portobello's 12 o'clock next Thursday. I send it to him. He accepts it. So me and Wayne at Brown are really doing really good. Are you with me? Okay. In my phone, he's Wayne at Brown. Amen? All right. How many of you remember Wayne Brown who spoke here in November? Everybody know who Wayne Brown was who spoke here in November? All right. So what I do, back to the construction side, Stuff changes so much. In the con it's an industrial construction group. I mean, a plant, it's just, it's just this evolving door. 
So I'm always checking in with the guys. Hey, you still good for a couple days out? Yeah. Hey, you still good for a couple days out? Yeah, sounds good. Just out of due diligence, just making sure we're all on the same page. And so I, after I sent the email to Wayne at Brown, I then start texting to follow up what I thought was Wayne at Brown, but it was actually Wayne Brown. The whole time, you should laugh harder. This is getting, it gets so much worse than this. The, in my phone, it's Wayne at Brown and Wayne Brown. Okay, so I'm, after I send this invite, I start texting Wayne Brown. Hey, still good for Portobello's and Jones Creek? Yeah, man, that sounds great. Love to be there. Awesome. He had he had spoke like a couple weeks before, just a follow up. Sounds great, man. I did it again a couple days later. Yep, still good for twelve o'clock on Jones Creek. So I'm set up in my mind. All I'm talking to is Wayne at Brown. Okay. So we get there uh, about twenty minutes before the launch at Portobello's twelve o'clock on Jones Creek, which will forever be in my head. Uh, Wayne Wayne Brown texts me. Hey, man, I got a table. Awesome. Two minutes later, Wayne at Brown calls me to confirm that I'm still coming. And I did think it was a little strange of the double thing, but I still didn't put it together. I said, yeah, man, I'll see you when I get there. I walk into Portobello's and Wayne Brown, I'm sorry, Wayne at Brown is wearing a full-blown brown jumpsuit. It's very obvious he works at Brown. This was better for me uh, that it said Brown on his shirt. So me and Wayne at Brown sit down and we meet for an hour and 15 minutes and I am sitting at a two it's a two top I'm sitting right here where I can see the front door how many of you want to crawl under your chair right now so in my line of fire is like me Wayne at Brown and Wayne Brown okay Wayne Brown walks out the bar area and he just stands by the door it's about for me to Amber it's literally right there the first table to the right He's like, what's up, man? And I'm thinking, oh, this is so cool. I'm like, what's, dude, how you doing, man? Like, what's going on? Like, how are you? And he just kind of looks at me. He has his mask on, too, so I can't fully tell the facial expression. And he just kind of stares at me. He's like, what, weren't we going to get lunch today? I said, no, but I'd, I'd love to get coffee with you. Maybe we like 4 o'clock or something. We can connect. And he's like, you text me, and we confirmed that you would be here today. So I just I p- I calculated all in my head very quickly, and I said, Wayne Brown, won't you come meet Wayne at Brown? They're very similar demeanor. They look alike. They're both very godly men. It was the worst moment of my life. But what I learned about Wayne Brown that day is that he sat in the mystery of the Lord for an hour and 15 minutes trusting that I was going to show up. I just wanted to tell you that story. It's a really strong reach to bring that back into the mystery of God. Can you believe that actually happened? He just sat there and waited on me forever. So uh, Wayne at Brown was like, you know, he got the lunch. He was fine with it. He enjoyed what he got to eat. So Wayne Brown, we've, we've rekindled the friendship. We've buried the hatchet. We're all good. He's actually teaching here on February 27th, so we're all good. But he sat in mystery, and he trusted that I wasn't going to show up, that I was potentially going to show up. And he literally told me, he goes, man, I just figured you got caught up. It was all good. I was just going to sit here and eat my lunch. I was like, what a great, he ate lunch by himself. 
I've learned that he's, like, kind of an introvert, though, so he might have kind of, like, liked the excuse to, like, you know, come and just kind of be by himself. Yeah, when you see, when he comes on the 27th, he's probably going to mention the story of how he's been working on his heart towards Cedar Heights <coughs> for months, living in the mystery of if Landon is a good person. Now, I, I, I'm, I just thought that would be kind of a funny story. All right, so anyway, he did trust me, and he sat in the mystery of the story. Look, I want to go to Proverbs 25, too, Jonathan. All right, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search a matter out of the glory of kings. This is a really key verse if you're going to walk in the mystery of God. If you're going to sit at a table and not understand something for an hour and wait for someone to show up and hold your heart well. Look, this is a cornerstone verse. This is a cornerstone piece of theology that I would just really encourage you to kind of put into all of your thought processes as you're reading scripture. And it's this. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of man to search that out. Just think about this. It brings God glory to actually conceal something from us. It doesn't fully make sense, but it says the glory of a king to go get it. So God is actually hiding things for us, not from us. There is this interaction, this back-and-forth relationship that we have with God that we're supposed to be pursuing him in the things we don't understand. God's mystery is there because it, it woos us into him. It brings him glory when he hides something and we try to go find that thing. It's kind of funny. You know, Jesus spoke in parables all the time. They'd ask him a very simple question, and he would give a parabolic answer. He's drawing the people who are hungry. He's actually creating mystery, and if you're hungry, you'll come get more of it. Amen? All right. I'm going to give you four keys to staying in the mystery of God. Four keys to staying in the mystery of God in your walk. Before I do that, I'm going to set up a little, little parameter. Um, anything we learn theologically, anytime we ever learn anything about God, to me, it falls into, I'm going to call it the triangle. You don't need to call it that. You can call it scripture. Jesus is asked, hey, what's the most important commandment? And he says, this is what he says. He says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if we learn something about God and it doesn't make us love God more, love others more, and it's tough for a lot of Christians to actually value ourselves and have self-worth, it's not, it is not a cornerstone of theology. Can you give an amen? This is why self-help books and stuff like that, which I love, I read them, is unto itself doesn't lead to him. Therefore, it is not kingdom principled. It's important that anything you learn, it makes you love God more, love your neighbor more, and love yourself more. And so if I, if I go over these four things, and in any way it doesn't fit in that box, my heart was not transferred correctly. Okay, four ways that I feel like uh, these are four keys to stay embracing the mystery of God. Okay, we'll go to the first one. When we talk about the mystery of God, I think it's important to delineate the two between mystery and confusion. Mystery and confusion. I'm not saying that when you walk in the mystery of God, you walk around confused. <coughs> I'm saying you trust in what you don't understand. Let me give you an example. All right. Those of you who have heard me talk about healing and seen me pray for people, this is a big deal for me. I live with a green light. I think that God wants to heal everyone all the time. That is my conviction for another sermon if you have any questions on that. But I, I, I honestly think Jesus paid for it. It's available. 
when I preach to someone, I should be living with anticipation and expectation that this person is going to get healed. So <coughs> if I go up and I pray for Bob's shoulder and Bob's shoulder doesn't get healed, okay, what confusion would say is maybe the Bible's not real. M- maybe God doesn't want to heal. Maybe the cross wasn't complete work. Maybe I'm not holy enough. Maybe I have sin life and I'm not walking powerful enough. Maybe none of this is real. Confusion just goes, I have no idea. But what mystery would say is, I know God's heart for this person. I'm going to pray for Bob's shoulder. Bob's shoulder doesn't get healed. I take that right there and I call that mystery, but I stand on the truth that Jesus died to heal this man. I don't go back and water that down. So what mystery does is it walks in with truth and embraces what it doesn't understand. Peter's saying, I don't understand what you're talking about, but I know this is true, and I'm going to stand on that truth. Confusion doesn't build anything inside you. Like, confusion is just, I have no idea. I'm confused about the mystery of God. I totally don't understand it. What mystery says is, this is true, and what I don't understand, I'm not going to hold God hostage with my questions about that. Can, can you, you understand what I'm saying? You, you, you know what's true, and what you don't know is true as you embrace it, versus I have no idea about anything. That's confusion. Nothing in the kingdom is, has confusion to it. He has alignment. You make old things new. He makes the crooked path straight. He's a congruent, forward, everything is in alignment in the kingdom of God. But it doesn't mean that there's not mystery in the midst of everything else that he's doing. So, um, cool. Point number two. Never create a theology around disappointment. Okay. We love to do this as believers. This is such a big deal to me. We we love to do this as believers. Sadly enough, we're in a fallen world, and we're in the midst of making it better. And in this situation that we're in, a crisis will happen. Someone will die. Someone gets cancer. Um, someone doesn't get healed. Someone loses their job or loses their house. These, these bad situations happen. And what we like to do is we like to create theology in the middle of disappointment. Okay, we create theology. We create our understanding of God from Scripture and what God has said, not from a place of disappointment, what I don't understand. So go back to the praying for someone analogy. I, I, I pray for somebody, and if they don't get healed, what the natural logic would be is, well, God just must not want to heal them. And I just begin to create my theology at my lowest point. But in order to do that, this is what we're doing when we do that. We are sacrificing absolutes from, from Scripture, and we're sacrificing them on the altar of human reasoning. In the midst of my pain and my turmoil and what I don't understand, I can either hold on to truth and walk through it during that situation, or I can go, oh, I don't understand this, so I'm going to go over to human reasoning and just assume these absolutes aren't true. And this is a, it can be an insensitive thing to say. And I don't mean, we should mourn with those who mourn, we should walk through difficult things, but we don't create our theology off what doesn't happen. We don't create our truth off of what doesn't happen or in the middle of a disappointment. 
you guys tracking with me? Truth is truth. My situation doesn't change what it is. So let's let's go back to the healing concept. So I I pray for someone, and they don't get healed. Okay, well, I can go in my mind, God doesn't want to heal someone, I'm shame-filled, I'm not powerful enough, et cetera, or maintain truth and just put that in the mystery box. Huh, I don't understand. I'm going to put this in the mystery box, and I'm going to go before God and talk to him about it. I'm not going to create a new theology, oh, God doesn't want to heal. Are you, are you with me? Listen, it's hard to do this. Um, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai. He comes down, the whole nation, they're already worshiping other gods. They're doing a lot of bad things they should not be doing, right? What, what is the, what's the easiest thing to do in that moment for Moses is just lower the standard and meet them somewhere. But what he did was, no, here's the Ten Commandments. I'm transposing this in the middle of all of this stuff. Moses' theology came from his connection and high point with God, not his low point. Can we be a community that does that? It's like, man, I'd be honest with you. What I believe and what I see happen is so far off. So far off. Like, I am now, if you're not careful, you'll just live in constant disappointment. <laughs> so I'm not saying have some, anyway. I, well, what I'm saying is I, I have a belief system that Jesus modeled the normal Christian life. Everything he did was he hand the baton off to you and I to you and I to keep doing it. He didn't do it so we could clap on the sidelines. He didn't do it so we could just be in awe of him. He did all that and handed us the keys to the kingdom and said, go do it what I've been doing. Okay, on a weekly basis, I almost experience none of that. But this is still my theology. Does this make sense? I mean, the gap between what I experience and what I believe is so significant. I've been in so many theological in the past. I don't really get in these much anymore because I've learned what brings fruit and what doesn't, and I'm trying to. So I, I remember one time I was sitting just explaining God to this man because it was, it was a long story. It was kind of some disconnection. He's like, so you mean to tell me you think you can go walk on that water? And I said, yes. And I, and I said, I don't think it will work. But I do believe that. Gonna keep going further. I've probably offended all of you already. I uh, we I used to have a uh, God. Can you turn the live screen off real quick? No. Um, uh, in my twenties, I had a dead raising team, where we would literally me we would connect with local hospitals. This is in the Northwest, and I we just we got we moved some morgues and all this stuff. Y'all are all thinking I'm a cult leader right now. Uh. You know where that comes from? It says pray for the sick. It also says raise the dead. Okay, so that's what scripture says. Now, I'd rather it not say that. <laughs> I understand it's a socially dynamic topic, raising someone from the dead. Okay? But that's what it says. And so I'm like, well, cool. Well, i got to create a way to be around dead people. <laughs> oh, gosh. Did Dave already ask for tithes today? Because, uh, oh, gosh, that's what scripture says. So we, I had eight opportunities to do that in my 20s. 
eight opportunities. You 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 haven't lived the Christian life yet until you have a family who comes to you and asks you, "My daughter's dead. Can you pray for her?" They'll think everyone will think I'm crazy because I believe in raising the dead. When it happens to you and they call you, you're not the crazy one anymore. They're like, "Man, this dude is crazy enough to believe." <coughs> oh, for eight. What does Scripture say? Raise the dead. So do I say God doesn't raise the dead anymore? Or do I say, I have no idea. I got to get back in the secret place. I'm not going to change my theology of the disappointment of not raising someone from the dead when that's what scripture said. I'm not going to say that was just for the disciples. I'm not going to say that was just for Jesus. So I live with the truth pillar of what God says, and this is theology. This is what we base our relationship with God off of. I'm functioning in a fraction of that, and I'm trying my best, but this is still what we believe. <sighs> you guys with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit farther into this because it's totally off point. When you believe, <coughs> when God said heal the sick, and you are 50-50 on whether he wants to heal the sick, I don't want you on my team when, when my sick is my child is sick. I want people who are blind faith, this is what God said, this is what we're doing, regardless of the outcome, this is what we're doing. That's the people I want on my team. This guy is crazy enough to believe this. I want him on my team. There is is scripture for this, where Jesus asks certain people to leave the room, and then he prays for them. I don't want that around me. He he probably, the people who are like 70% sure he wanted to do it, I don't want that in the room. Smith Wigglesworth is a healing revivalist in the early 1900s. Please review him if you don't know anything about him. He would do that. He would. Now, this dude was bold. He'd be like, you out of the room. You can't stay here. Like, he could just feel it. I only want people in here who are going to go for it. But our situations don't dictate truth. What he says does. And there is a, this, this is what whole long-suffering and holy irritation come from what I believe is true and what I've experienced. Please understand this. Please get this. What what I believe to be true and what I experience, long this is long-suffering. I'm not changing the subject. I'm going to long-suffer to see this happen. Guys, we all want the brave heart thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? We want that. I'm telling you, as a, as a kingdom man, and if you want to paint your face and go attack someone, I would suggest you not do that. There is a fervor and an intensity that comes specifically with men when they understand what I'm saying. This is true. I'm experiencing this. I am fiercely not changing. I am daily walking in a discipline to say that this is still true. In the midst of what I don't understand and people calling me stupid, it's important that we, we are mocked for what we carry. It is important for people to disagree with what you have to say if you are standing in truth. 2020 has been a fascinating year for the Snow family in many different ways. And I realized through all this stuff, I'm like, they're mad at the Bible. I've, I've been attacked for some crazy stuff this year. I'm like, cool, like, that's not what Jesus said. I'm standing on what he said. So if you don't like what he said, I'm really sorry. I, but this is, 
my religion is based on him. So he said, don't do these things. So I'm saying, don't do these things. And you're mad at me. No, you're mad at the Bible. Because I'm not going to lower the standard. So I look bad to them. But in my mind, I'm like, no, you just I'm just going to stand on Scripture. And I can't water down Scripture to f- meet the need of some unbelieving believer. <coughs> Gosh, I'm so in left field right now. Are we still live streaming? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm kidding. This is all going live. I'm totally kidding about the live stream thing. Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, where we're going, if God truly has revival for us, it is messy, and it's confused. I'm sorry. It is messy, and it's filled with mystery. And it will be exhausting. Where we're going, we have to hold on to truth in the midst of conflict and where we don't understand. And I'm looking for people around me to say, hey, I'm with you, man. I'm not going to create theology that lowers the standard of what Jesus said. And it's all possible. I remember another guy, so Philip transported in the Bible 22 miles. That's in the Bible. A man came out of water and was 22 miles away in another city. I am not saying go to your prayer closet and try to transport. That's probably a waste of time, nor is that probably glorifying Jesus. I don't know. I just choose to not do that. It focuses on him. But I remember this other situation I was in. They were like, so you think you can do that? I'm like, 100%. So you would just disappear and go, I don't know what it would look like. I just, it's in scripture. So if God needed me in Lafayette at 12, 16, I'm assuming it would happen. I don't know. But I'm not going to explain away what that scripture says. Okay, got to move on. You get you jacked up a little bit? We're, we're, we're on the winning team. It's this weirdest thing with Christianity. We're on the weird we're on the winning team, yet the way that he, okay, they came and thought Jesus was going to take over, like, from a government perspective, and he could have. He went into, like, the salt and light thing, and it was so confusing for them. It's like, why don't you just dominate? And he's like, this is the way we do it. We go low, we get into systems, and we serve. It's like somehow the winning team is in this odd posture. I don't, it's the kingdom. I don't know how to fully explain it. We're in this odd posture of, like, finding where salt and light is. And just serving people well. And the winning team is the one that gets attacked. Like Christianity prospers when we are persecuted. Something that happened <coughs> in 2020, everyone's true colors have come out. When you are persecuted, true colors come out. Who is this person really? We're going to go, is it? We're going to put pressure on it, and then true colors are going to come out. And you realize in 2020, if you were just a Christian, because it was cool or socially normal. Are you with me? It became uncool to have godly principles and sentiments. But we're an army, and we're going to stick to truth, and we're going to keep going. Amen? I've got to move on. Okay, next point. We're living in the mystery of God. Okay, Paul said this, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. This is why this is important to me. If you keep learning information, head knowledge, what does it do? It puffs you up. Head knowledge puffs arrogance. This is where religious things happen. This is the people in Jesus' day. They were puffed up from their knowledge. But love builds up. See, 
love embraces mystery. Knowledge doesn't understand it, so it gets it all out, and it puffs up. Again, if I can answer every question, I don't need to move in love. If I can answer every question, this is what the rule is, and we'll just this type of strategy versus this, if I love people well, it embraces mystery. Knowledge puffs up. Wisdom, I'm sorry, love builds up. Amen? Okay. Fourth point. Fourth and final point. The freedom of I don't know. All right. As a believer, you have permission to say, I don't know. <coughs> As the leader of Cedar House Church, I don't know. I don't know. Can you say that with me? I don't know. How freeing is that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know how freeing it is. It's just really freeing. I mean, think about it. At one of the greatest things you could say as a Christian leader is, I don't know. One of the greatest things you could say to your kids is, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's talk about it. Let's navigate through that. What does it look like to walk through that? For us to embrace the mystery of God gives us the freedom to say, I'm not sure. I don't know about that. But what I do know is this. I know this is true, and I don't know about all of this. We do Q&As every once in a while here. And I'm so, one of the reasons why I'm so easy with them, I've had other pastors be like, bro, that is like, you're crazy for sitting up there and just let people ask their questions to you. And I'm like, no, it's cool because I don't know everything. Like, I am I like the question where I go, I'm not sure. Okay, next question. They're like, what? You got to have some answer. I'm like, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know certain things. I'm trying the best I can. I don't fully, you know, we can't all understand everything perfectly. So it's just the power of I don't know as a believer. Amen? All right. In all of this, the depth of your quiet time with God is equal to the amount of mystery you're willing to walk in with him. So listen, when you embrace the mystery of God, that means in your quiet time or when we go into worship like this, there's no agenda. I'm not holding him hostage. It's like, hey, you have to answer this question before I connect with you. It's, oh, I don't understand this, but man, I'm just in love with God. I, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to give you my all. Right? Does that make sense? Is this encouraging today? You guys with me? It's okay to not understand everything while pursuing truth. I'm, I'm telling you, if, if we keep going to God in the context of having a need met all the time or him explaining why all the time, what we're doing is we're putting him on trial. You, do you understand what I'm saying? If you go to God over and over and over with the same question and he's not answering it, just be okay that he's not answering it. That's not, he's not, that's not what he's talking about right now. Well, what is he talking about? And if you go to him with no agenda, how many of you have friends when they come to you like you know there's an agenda and you like avoid them in social settings uh, and I know God's love is big but I'm just telling you he if I could go as far as saying like he does have feelings and he does want to engage with us on an intimate level and it's important that we just sometimes go to him open handed poor in spirit not asking a question just wanting to engage with him amen why don't we stand up all right. Why don't we stand up? We're going to go into this song. So let's do this. Let's just give him our yes in the middle of what we don't understand. Give him our yes in the midst of mystery. But there's probably some stuff.
that you've been holding between your relationship with you and God, this would be a good time to be like, hey, I'm just going to lay that down. Hey, I'm just going to lay down my offense. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to lay what I don't understand down and engage with him. So Jesus, thank you for giving us the mysteries of the kingdom. Yeah, God, we just come to you poor in spirit, open-handed, saying that it's a, we, don't, we don't need to know everything. We, we're not arrogant. We're not entitled. We just come to you very lowly, saying we just want to love you with no agenda. God, we apologize that we've had questions against you, that we haven't moved forward in relationship because of those questions. We just lay it all down, God. We lay down our misunderstanding. We lay down our confusion. We lay down all of our disappointment. We just give you our yes. What a beautiful name. Everything about you, your nature is awesome. What a beautiful name. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.